Support for the YBO podcast comes from the Digital Discovery Network, where regular people have real conversations. Hey everyone, welcome back to Young, Black, and Opinionated. This is your host, Christina Royster. First, before I get the episode started, I want to remind you to subscribe if you haven't done so already. And thank you guys so much for listening. Today, I am joined by my special guest, Jack Ogu. Thanks for joining me. Hello, my name is Jack Ogu, and I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) And today, Jack and I are going to do Put Y'all On, sharing with you our favorite things this week. We're also going to be having a discussion about addiction and the death of hip-hop artist Mac Miller. And finally, we're going to end with Dope or Nope. So, are you ready for today's episode, Jack? Of course. All righty. on this week is just black excellence because I didn't watch the Miss America pageant but I did find out that the winner was Nia Franklin and she is an African-American woman so shout out to us and um, I was particularly interested in her talent which is like classical music and um, she said that she wanted to go to Princeton University or Juilliard to uh, refine her skills in classical music with her prize money so that's awesome And I think this was the first competition they took out the swimsuit part. So that just goes to show that, like, we're advancing. We don't have to show women's bodies off. And, um, you know, they can be shown for other things. And she was Miss New York. So Miss New York won Miss America 2019, if you guys don't catch up on those things. And also, I want to give a shout out to John Legend for reaching EGOT status, which means that he is the first black male to receive an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award in his lifetime. So that's pretty awesome. What about you, Jack? Well, I'm going to take it to sports for my fellow gentlemen and also <laughs> ladies who are into sports. Yes. My defending Super Bowl champions, Philadelphia Eagles, Woo! beat the Falcons 18-12. to 12. It was like a rematch. Like, Well, it was a rematch, but it was like almost like a repeat of what you saw at the playoffs. Mm. Like a last-minute play to Julio Jones, but Julio Jones couldn't catch the ball for a touchdown. <laughs> and and I'd also like to give a shout-out to the Cleveland Browns. Yes, for not losing again. <laughs> but for also not winning. The most Cleveland Brown way of breaking a losing streak <laughs> of two years is by tying. So not only did they not lose, but they still haven't won a game. How often do NFL games end in a tie? It's not that common. Like pathetic. It, when, it, <laughs> when it happens, it's kind of like you're more likely to see like somebody get struck by lightning twice. Oh my god! Well, it's not that rare, but it's kind of like one of those weird moments. Like, oh wow, y'all, y'all couldn't just get it together, and they had a chance to win, but they were just well. Hopefully, <laughs> they'll have a good season. They won't. The only, yeah, the only thing I know about the Cleveland Browns is in Miguel's song, Come Through and Chill, J. Cole says, um, been waiting on you like more patience than a Browns fan or something. Let me tell you a little like <laughs> side note about the Browns. There was a, like they had like this original team back in like the 80s, 90s, I forget what the year it was. But they had this team, the, the Browns, that moved 
from Cleveland to Baltimore that became the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. So they actually went, like, the Browns now wasn't the original Browns team. Oh. So they went through, like, a span of time where they didn't have a team, but then Cleveland, like, I guess somebody was like, all right, let's give Cleveland a team again. Oh, no. So the funny thing is, the Browns technically did win a Super Bowl with... But it wasn't, they're not the Browns anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Wow, that's really sad. (laughs) I did not know that. Wow. All right, well, I brought Jack here today because, um, you know, we both kind of were fans of Mac Miller, you more than I, but um, we were both shocked by hearing of his passing so soon this past Friday. He was age 26, and um, Jack also has studied biology and chemistry, so I wanted to talk about a little bit of the science behind addiction and substance abuse. But before I begin, I did a little bit of research on our home state of New Jersey. We're both from New Jersey. And here's some statistics I found from njcares.gov, if you guys want to read up on it. So far, the amount of overdose deaths in New Jersey from January 1st to August 26, 2018 is 1,970. And uh, you guys know that they have this new drug to help people from overdosing, what's it called? Like naloxone, uh, naloxin. Oh God, no, no. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I, I have it written here. It's naloxin, and New Jersey has had nine thousand one hundred and sixty-two naloxin administrations. So even though these people aren't dying, they're coming close to it, and they're being saved by this um, drug, naloxin. And finally, the number of opioid prescriptions from January 1st to August 2018, is 2,820,606. So that's where the whole problem starts in my mind, is the pharmacies, the doctors, overprescribing. But we'll get into it. And, um, yeah, just so we're clear, New Jersey is, at the pace that we're going, basically overdose deaths is the sixth leading cause of death in New Jersey. And I found this information on CDC. So if you or someone you know is struggling with substance abuse in New Jersey, you can actually reach out on reachnj.gov because New Jersey is a good Samaritan state, which means that you can be prosecuted for turning yourself in, which I think is awesome. Like, call them high if you want. Just get help. Now, let's talk a little bit about Mac Miller. So I received the news that Mac Miller passed, and to be honest, I didn't know his drug issues were that serious for him to pass from an overdose, but I know that during his time with Ariana Grande, she did say that his substance abuse was like a deal breaker for their relationship, and that is why she ultimately chose to end their relationship of two years. And um, I just feel like, during this time of grieving, people should leave Ariana Grande alone because some people were blaming her for Mac Miller's overdose. And I feel like an addict is an addict and you really can't, she couldn't save him. You know what I'm saying? I'm putting quotes because like she tried everything she could. She stayed with him for as long as she can and she had to do what was best for herself. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's like when people date somebody and they say, oh, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm sorry, but, like, you need to leave that relationship. You can't stay just because somebody says, like, oh, you're going to leave me. So that's all I had to say about Ariana Grande in the matter. But what did you have to say about the news of Mac Miller, Jack? 
So my friend, she, uh, I was, I was, I was in Cherry Hill and I was at the store and my friend texted me. She was like, "Oh, you hear Mac Miller died," and I legitimately gasped and I was just like, "Yeah." When I what? saw that, I was just like, "Well, no." I was really like, "No, come on." It still doesn't feel real. Yeah, it's. I mean, to be fair, I'm not surprised because he did have like a, a drug problem, but Mac Miller's, you know. For people who want to blame Ariana Grande, it's just like, Mac Miller has always done drugs before mm-hmm. her, and both and was going to, uh, I want to say was going to keep doing drugs. Who knows if he would have changed. But um, I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily fair to, you know, blame her and say, oh, you know, it's her fault. Because if she was still around and he ended up overdosing and dying, people would blame her and saying, like, oh, she enabled him. Yeah, and, and that's then, true. And there's a thing called uh, codependency when it comes to... Um, uh, drug addicts which is like the people that they're with like family members or like you know their significant others they will try to make sure that that person doesn't like ruin their life but in the process all they're doing is further enabling them hmm. because in essence to get over an addiction you kind of i don't want to say every situation you have to reach rock bottom but the person has to want to like they want they have to want to change yes so in essence you have to like lose stuff and see all right things are falling apart in order to you know get your shit together mm-hmm. and to be fair another thing too was there was like another interview mac miller did like right afterwards and they're like hey you've been kind of mia you've been silent you know what's what's been going on you know people have been saying that you've been going through a depression because of ariana and he straight up said you know i was just trying to focus on my new album mm-hmm. which he did put out a new album he, he did. was like he was saying how like you know going on social media and all that stuff it just you know, then I didn't see a point to it. If I'm working on an album, you know, I just wanted to focus my energy on that. So I, I legitimately believe that it was probably just, it wasn't him going through a depression over her. It was just, you know, just a combination. That's of- something that I have been questioning. Like when they say he died of a drug overdose, does that mean he took too many drugs because he wanted to commit suicide? Does it mean he just had a bad batch? Does it mean he accidentally took too much? I don't know. It happens. Almost like a lot of a lot of drug addicts end up from a lot, in a lot of cases they end up overdosing because you reach a point where you want to get more high. Yeah, you become tolerant of it, and your brain needs more to kind of get that same high level. But then your body still can't keep up with that over time. So, yeah, because like when people say overdose, for some reason I was thinking like he took so much he commit a suicide but like maybe he wasn't trying to commit suicide but men usually have a when men try to kill themselves it's usually more violent so they usually do try to like shoot themselves that's why they say when it comes to men and women women are more likely like women are more likely to commit suicide but men are more likely to die from suicide because of the method women use drugs yeah versus men who actually use guns like who actually like hang themselves they use, their way of doing it is more permanent it's like Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato overdosed. I don't think she was trying to necessarily. Yeah, kill that's true. It's just you know, people who are doing drugs, they just want to get higher. Yeah, I can't keep up. Well, I did find this Mac Miller quote from a documentary that he did before his passing, and he said, "I'd rather be a corny white rapper than the drugged out mess who can't even get out of his house. Overdosing is just not cool. You don't go down in history because you're overdosed. You just die." So I want to think about the chemical imbalance in a person's brain for them to be saying stuff like, oh, I could never get addicted. How do you go from saying that to overdosing and meeting your fate? Like, what 
I'm asking you as someone who is familiar with biology, what makes someone get addicted to drugs? Like what is the chemical in opioids or heroin or whatever that makes somebody addicted? So if I was like in nursing school or bio, like bio major right now, I would specifically know the chemical. <laughs> I, I don't need to know the chemical, but, but we can agree that it is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Yeah. So first of all, I want to start off by saying the people who, you know, say it's a choice, it's a choice to do drugs. Yes. But to be addicted to drugs is not a cho- choice. Like somebody legitimate. Thank you. Like you're legit. It's like I'm clapping because I agree with you. Some people since Mac Miller's death have taken to social media and saying, drug addicts get no sympathy from me. You have willpower. You can just choose if you want to be on drugs or not. Just stop at any time. Let me tell you something. Well, people who go through, people who are alcoholics, if they were to just stop drinking alcohol, their body will go through withdrawal mm-hmm. and they will die. Like, I'm not even joking. It It's only with alcoholics, though, where the withdrawal will be so severe that the person can die. Versus, like, people who go through heroin withdrawal, where it's not that, like, where they don't die, but it's still, like, bad. Mm-hmm. But your brain reaches a point where it can't function without that drug. Where you, like, if you see somebody without it, like, you see the stages of withdrawal. So is that, like, when people say, like, I function better when I smoke weed? I mean, they just... Well, weed is a different topic. I'm talking about prescription drugs. Yeah, like, people, it's it's... If you look at actual brain scans, like if you look CT scans and all that stuff, you'll see that the brain changes. And these people are very much addicted. They need the drugs to just function at a basal level. Like it reaches a point where you're not even like, like people don't even get like that high feeling anymore. They're just getting, doing drugs just to feel normal. Mm. Like just have an even base. And that's kind of like yeah. sad. Just you're doing drugs just to function at a, like a normal human does. Wow. So. And so when you're trying to wean yourself off of drugs, like you said, you're going through withdrawal, is it possible to rehabilitate? Or do you think once you're an addict, you're always an addict? Relapse is, like, what are the odds of relapsing? uh, I don't like the term once you're an addict, you're always an addict, because it it implies that, like, once you you do drugs, you're never going to want to, like, change your life. So once you're an addict, you're always an addict. I mean, in, it's probably in the, it's right in the literal sense in that when you're addicted to something, you're never not going to be addicted to it. Like, yeah, you're always like, going to have urges to do it again. I was going to say, like, people who are sober for 20 years, you put a beer in front of them, like, that might be a trigger for them. Like, yeah, like, you can stop doing drugs for, like, you can, have, you can meet somebody who's been clean for 30 years. They will still tell you that there are days where they want to do, like, mm. meth or heroin or coke because it's always going to be there. Your body... Your body will never reach that normal level it once was because it's always going to just going to still want to have like that thing. Yeah. I mean, this is like a very minute, small example, but like, you know, Ambisol is stuff for like your toothaches. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. (laughs) You're only supposed to use like once every five hours or something, but I would just use it like six times in an hour because it felt really good. So I guess that was my addiction to Ambisol. For my teeth, like, ugh, it was terrible. Yeah, don't be an Amazon addict. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, you imagine going to the house was like, what do you think it's an Amazon? I was like, oh. That stuff feels good. <laughs> Not like I'm just drinking it for fun. Like, if my tongue or my or my teeth hurt, I would just keep putting it on. Not reading you. the label. Not caring about what the label said. And so, because of that, I know for a fact that I feel like I have an addictive personality. Like, 
Um, when I got my wisdom teeth out, they got gave me oxy, and my mom just threw it away. She was like, "You're not taking this." Oh yeah. That, so, do you think when people say like, "Oh, I have an addictive personality," is that real? Is addiction genetic? It's everything. It's it's kind of like people don't realize that who you are as a person is a combination of genes and your environment. Mm-hmm. So you put like you see somebody who's addicted, right? If you put them maybe in a different scenario, they might not have been a drug addict. They could have been the next president of the United States. I was I was gonna say I think that your environment does play a part in it because um, it's not just impoverished kids in Camden, New Jersey, getting addicted to drugs anymore. It's Billy in Marlton, New Jersey, where I grew up. It's my classmates who seem to have good lives. They're getting addicted, and so. Like I've said before, drugs don't care if you're black, white, or blue. Like, everybody can get addicted. And so I think that what's happening at home and what's happening in yourself does have an effect on your your drug use. Yeah. Because you know how they used to say, like, the kids are doing drugs because it's hip-hop music. Like, I mean, it doesn't help that Lil Pump and Lil Skies and whoever else are talking about Lean and Molly and stuff. But I don't think that you're that impressionable. I don't, I don't know, some people are that impressionable is what I mean. Because you and I, we listen to that music, but we're not out here doing drugs. So what's the difference? So it's also like who you're friends with, too. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, if you're part of like a group of people who like all of them do drugs and then your parents, like your parents, like I, I, don't, even, I don't even like always blame it on the parents because there could be like very, you can have like full house type of parents where you have a Danny Tanner who hugs his kids all the time and have like <laughs> group discussion. You can still have a kid who does drugs as a result. It's sometimes, it, like part of it too is who you're around. Like if you're a part of like a, like a group of kids that are just doing drugs and you don't have any other friends besides them and they make you kind of feel bad and you want to feel cool and you want to fit in and the music that you listen to around them is also talking about drugs. You know, like, there are people who are strong enough to say, all right, I'm not going to do it. You know, no matter what, that doesn't work for me. But some people try it once and they get addicted. Yeah, but here's the here's the flip side. I knew, like, I don't want to put out names. But there are people who uh, can do meth once. And one of the things about meth is it's kind of like, once you do it, you're going to be hooked to it. They did, they did meth once, and it's just like, well, yeah, it's not my thing. And then moved on. And mm. But there are other people who... If I tried meth, I don't even want to. But if I did, I probably would get addicted. Here's, here's the kicker about meth. It's uh, it's one of those drugs where the first high is the best feeling you'll ever feel in your life. And they say, after that, everything's a letdown. Mm. So, Mm-mm-mm. you know, like that whole chase in the purple dragon or whatever crap like that? Like, it's constantly trying to You're get... You're constantly trying to get that same high. And if that's the thing about drugs in general. You will never feel good, like, the first high. Mm. And everything after that is just, like, it steadily goes down. So, like, the second high is pretty decent, but it's not, like, the first one. And, like, you're constantly upping it just so you reach a level So, like what is going on in the addict's mind to say, I'm going to risk my job, my family, all my life savings because I need to get high? Because the body starts to react, so... You know, they, their heart starts to rate. They start getting sweaty. They get anxious. You know, they get nervous. They start hallucinating. Like, what I mean, there are physical changes to a person when they're not doing drugs. It's ridiculously bad. Mm-hmm. To the point where they can't Well, just function. stop. You're weak if you can't stop. Just quit. Just stop. It's not easy. 
you said you worked with addicts before, haven't you? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, I mean, what kind of backgrounds did they come from? Were they all deadbeat people who just got hooked on drugs or? No. Yeah, some of them, I, I, I feel like what happens is you're going to see a lot of suburban kids who, you know, they come from a good family. But then after a while, in order to get more drugs, you're going to have to live more closer to the area that supplies the drugs. So you see a lot of people who live in, like, you know, nice suburban areas like Washington Township mm-hmm. or, like, Cherry Hill or Voorhees, and then they end up... For those who don't know those areas... <laughs> We're in New Jersey. <laughs> We're in New Jersey. Those are, those are like, the nicer areas of yes. South Jersey, especially in Camden County. But um, they move to those nice areas, and they move to Camden, which, if you're also from, not from New Jersey or familiar with New Jersey, it's one of the worst cities in the U.S. And... You you go there, you know a lot of a lot of a lot of patients we get, you know they might be coming from Camden, they also might be coming from the suburbs, mm-hmm. and they have a very, I don't want to say they're manipulative because I don't want to push the narrative that you shouldn't trust a drug addict, mm-hmm. but they're not stupid in the way that they want to get you know more medicine, so they'll ask for pain meds and you know they'll ask you like very specific questions like oh what does you know what does this med do or what does that med mm-hmm. do or how like is it strong like is the is the oral version of it stronger than the IV version? And one of the things you see with heroin addicts is they will constantly complain about the IV site. And just so you could take out the IV and put a new IV and put it in a different vein. Ugh. And it's just, it's not even that they're getting any drugs, it's just the feeling of getting the needle in the vein itself is gonna, mm. it's just mm. that rush itself. Wow. So when we have like, you know, drug addict patients, they're just you gotta be careful because you you have to be able you you have to be able to tell whether it's actual pain or it's them drug seeking. Mm-hmm. So one of the tricks you do is you always post when they're due for meds, and you always hmm, let me sidetrack actually. Anybody can be a drug addict, and just because somebody it's in their file they're a heroin addict or if they look like they're a heroin addict doesn't mean that's the only type of drug addict you see. Mm-hmm. A doctor can come in as a patient, look completely normal, that could be a drug addict. Yeah. And even people who aren't drug addicts, there's like beginning signs to the point where a lot of hospitals, they have a pain man, um, pain management group because of the growing increase of like drug addiction. Yeah. Because what they're seeing now is a lot of doctors are kind of like very lenient with the way they're prescribing drugs. Mm. Well, before. Now that's dr- my part. That's what I was going to say. I feel like these doctors are just Sign on the slip, and no offense to the medical industry, Jack. I know you work in the medical industry, but they just sign the slip, give anybody medicine these days, refill or anything over the phone. And now I saw something on the news where the people who make oxycodone, how do you say it, oxy, whatever, mm-hmm. the people who make it are now making some other medication to help people get off it. They just want money, and it's just so sad. And you know, people have their conspiracy theories that the government pushed crack into black neighborhoods in the eighties and. That's what they're doing now. But like we said, opioids, heroin, starting to affect more than the black community. Starting to, uh, drug drug addicts are starting to look different than what we're used to from the typical crackhead. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it all starts with the doctors and the prescriptions. I mean, that's how some of these recovery stories are. Oh, I hurt my shoulder in football. I got a pain med, and then I just kept taking it. You know. It's but the problem is, it's just like 
you can't also look at a patient and say, oh, you know, you're drug seeking when somebody could have real pain. Because there's like, if you break your femur, right, one of the worst pains you could ever experience. And it's a chronic pain that lasts for like six months to 12, mm. to, well, six to 12 months. And if you look at that person and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to give you, here, I'm going to give you this Ibuprofen. Yeah, you know, like some like weak, like pain med. That person is not going to, like, they're not going to have a happy life. They're going to mm. be miserable. They're going to be depressed. That's how people commit suicide. There are people who deal with chronic pain that because it's not managed well, they kill themselves. Ugh. On the flip side, if you're over kind of like, if you just give somebody with like a paper cut, oh, I'm going to give you like oxycodone or fentanyl for like a paper cut. Well, mm. that person's going to be addicted to drugs too. And what happens is you go to the hospital and their general, like, they have like pain management groups because they want to like see how the person copes, see their level and try to like adjust their meds to that kind of thing. And nurses, what they also do is they'll write when the uh, patient's due for pain meds because like, let's say four hours in, people forget when you have severe pain, you don't know. What you time think it is. was like an hour ago. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, I, can I get my pain meds? Like, no, you're not due for another six hours. Okay. And they're just like, ah, and they, they make a scene. But like, now, like, they're doing a better job with how they, they prescribe meds, how they give meds, and, like, how they, you know, gauge it. Because, like, there are regular people, like, you're, like, a, you know, a regular old grandma from down the street who, you know, walks her dog every Sunday morning and buys groceries. She, you know, hurts her hip. Mm-hmm. She goes to the hospital. They give her medicines. And depending on, and it's genetics, too. Some people can handle pain a lot better than other yeah, people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think that... When it comes down to it, my opinion is that, like, addiction is kind of, like, in our genes. Like, my mom always says, addiction runs in the family, quote-unquote. And I never really knew what that meant, but I've seen alcoholics in my family, so I know that clearly there's more than one. Like, there has to be something going on. And, okay, yeah, so, like, some people are like, I don't believe it's a disease. I personally think addiction to whatever it is, it could be food. There's food addicts. I watch my 600-pound life. You could be addicted to anything. Addicted to porn. Addicted to drugs. I think that it is a mental disease. And that's what I want people to understand from this episode of this podcast. It's a physical and mental. Yeah. So I don't want to um, take up too much more time talking about this. <laughs> but, oh, one more thing that I did want to mention is that Like I said, people didn't care when black people were dying from crack, blah, blah, blah. Now, all of a sudden, they care because it's white people. It's an epidemic. I'm going to say this. I don't care if the media is covering this more now because it's white people. Good. Maybe people like Demi Lovato and Mac Miller, all of this will bring, shed some light on this, and maybe something will actually be done. Nope, that's, it's still bad because... Granted, you're bringing a light to addiction, but you're not bringing a light to how it's perceived by different groups. When a black person comes in with an addiction versus when a white person comes in, it's two different ways people treat them. Hmm. They treat the black person differently. It's like more of like a criminal. Oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Drug seeking. It's it's it goes back to like the nature of the stereotypes in this country where if it's a white person with an addiction, like the Demi when when Demi Lovato when people found out she had an overdose, people were like. Oh my Poor goodness. Demi, she's going through you know, such hard times. You shouldn't make jokes about drugs, blah, blah, blah. If a black person was to go through an addiction, people would just be like... You crackhead. Yeah, they, they got called crackhead. 
People don't call Demi Lovato a crackhead. If you call Demi Lovato a crackhead, you're insensitive to the uh, what do you call it, the growing drug addiction problem. But when it's a black person, especially when you see videos of people taking advantage of like you know people who are go through drug addiction, which is also based off of a mental problem, people are like, oh, it's funny. Let's make fun of the crackhead. Crackhead is always impl- like crackhead is a term that's implied with black people. Yeah. it's not implied with white people. That is true. Well. What can we do? What can we look out for? I saw some of the warning signs of addiction or irritability, social withdrawal. Anything else we should look out for? Uh, can I just look in my friend's eyes and note they're high? Like, I mean, you can tell when somebody like I've somebody's eyes are dilated. You can tell they're. I mean, I just watched this week's episode of Insecure, and like you said, people who typically wouldn't do drugs. They were at Coachella having a good time, pops and Molly. Like, maybe that is kind of romanticizing drug use. We romanticized drug use when we were dating. Project X. Yeah, like when, yeah. We're, when we're singing, we, we sing future songs like it's like yeah. the gospel. Percocet, <laughs> Molly Percocet. Like, we we literally, like, we're, we're against, look, we failed. Yeah. Our, our yeah. D.A.R.E. program failed us. <laughs> um, to be honest, I never went through there, so technically, I get to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's just, like, we sing, like, Percocet, Molly Percocet, yeah. but then our friends are addicted to Percocets and Molly's, we're like, oh my That's goodness, not good. Yeah. It's like, we're dancing to the song. Yeah. I'm not sure right now. Well, I mean, for me personally, my word of advice is if you don't ever start it, you can't get hooked to it, so just don't even try it. But that's the problem. When I went through from... I'll, I'll try to be quick with this, but when I went through like um, November all the way to like the beginning of February, I was going through like a I went through a mental breakdown where I was just depressed, mm-hmm. where I'd wake up shaking in the morning, mm. like just anxious, like crying. Like I would go to like I'll go to cr- class, try to keep it together. Everyone would think I'm fine, but like deep down inside, like I would go to the bathroom, look in the mirror, I'm like I can't do this. And mm. I text my sister, and I'm just like I really am struggling. I'd wake up in the morning, just, I wouldn't even be, like, I wasn't even cold. I was just shaking, legitimate, like, literally shaking. And I remember thinking in my head, like, you know, I can deal with this right now for the short term, but long term, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I have to have something to make me feel better. And I know people who go through depression, and because the depression is so immense, instead of killing themselves, they do drugs just so they don't have to feel that yeah. feeling. I remember my good days were any day I just felt even. Not, like, happy, but even. My bad days were when I really was bad, waking yeah. up shaking. I'm fine. I shouldn't say fine, fine. But, like, I'm, I'm good now. Like, I'm not where I was before. Like, I'm definitely a long ways where I was before. But but you could have easily tried to get your hands on some drugs. Yeah. Like, it's not as simple as saying, oh, don't do drugs. Because there are different... It, it's easy to say that if it's somebody who's at a party and everybody's doing drugs. It's like, oh, I want to be cool. Don't be an idiot. Don't do drugs. Yeah. But if you're going through depression, it's like... I couldn't even tell you what to do because there are people who take antidepressants. They don't feel like it's working. So they take, you know, Coke or crack or heroin or meth because they feel better. It actually does something for them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about addiction and sharing your personal stories, sharing your thoughts. But before you go, I do want my listeners to get a better feel for who you are as a person with a game of dope or nope. Oh God. So are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Okay, first one, this is so biased, I know what you're going to say. Well, maybe I don't know. Dope or no, Jamaican food? 
I know this is going to be crazy. I've never tried Jamaican food. Oh, my God. I'm Nigerian, so it's uh, kind of like, it's like all the same thing, kind of. No, it's not. I, who, let me take that back. Who every, has the best jollof rice? Nigerians. Okay. So, Ghana's, you can suck it. Oh. <laughs> well, excuse me. I personally like some Jamaican food, so um, that's my opinion. Dope. I'll try jerk chicken one day. Okay. <laughs> um, well, have you ever had curry chicken? My mom makes that. Okay. It's, it's good as shit. Um, Apologize for cursing. It's fine. It's the young, young black and opinionated podcast. Okay, how about Justice League? Dope or nope? Or are you more of a Marvel fan? Justice League, the movie, like the live action movie? Or Justice League, like in general? If you had to put the Justice League against the Avengers. Alright, let's put it to... I'll keep this short because it's it can get us a whole conversation. <laughs> the Justice League is uh, Superman plus a bunch of people that can also do the same thing Superman can do. Oh, Marvel. Oh, shots fired. But, like, Justice League, their cartoons are great. But for some reason, they just do a horrible job in their live-action movies. What about Wonder Woman? That's Justice League, right? You didn't like that movie? That was alright. Mm. I like, I like, you know, the whole... What about Dark Knight? Dark Knight isn't part of the... That was a separate... The, the That was its own separate... The Justice League movie now isn't necessarily attached to Dark Knight in the same Justice way. League now versus the Avengers now. Avengers all Okay, the so it's a nope for Justice League. Avengers also has like the better not event, better actors. So. Yeah, it's a nope for Justice League. Um well I I brought this up because I was talking to my boyfriend like X Men versus Justice League or whatever. I personally like X Men, but whatever. So you just said Avengers versus Justice League all over again. X Men are part of Mar- Marvel. They are? Yeah. Alright, well <laughs> next Dope or Nope, the Nike Kaepernick ad. It's dope. Dope, thank you. If you are burning your Nike attire out there, you're an idiot. Nobody cares about your Nike monarchs. Yeah, Dad. to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, they already got your money and people are talking about, oh, they just did this to get black people's money. They were gonna get it anyway, so it really doesn't good. matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> they need to know their demographic. That's good. Support yeah. your demographic. Um, so again, thank you for being on the podcast. Where can people follow you on social media? So, you can follow me. You have Instagram, right? I have Instagram. So, it's Jarakogama. It's J-A-R-A-C-K underscore O-G-A-M-A on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Like Barack Obama? Yes. Jarak Ogama. You know I love Barack Obama. (laughs) He's my guy. (laughs) You guys can follow me on Instagram, (laughs) Miss Chris D. That's M-I-S-S. C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E and Twitter, C-D Royster. That's C-D-R-O-Y-S-T-E-R. Bye. Until next time. Adios.